because joining us in the main studio is Pastor Adrian Raythiel, who is the uh, president of the Adventist Church in the North New South Wales region. And, of course, this station is sponsored by the Adventist Church. And I just wanted to uh, get Adrian's reaction to the um, the roadmap that was handed down by the New South Wales government yesterday. Um, Adrian, there's some concerning stuff there for our churches and reopening of churches. How are we going to navigate our way through this uh, situation of only vaxxed people being able to um, attend church and... Uh, what are we doing? How are we relate, relating, obviously, to people who are un- unvaxxed? What, what can you share with our listeners this morning? Sure, Lyle. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. And uh, hello to all of the listeners uh, this morning. Yes, yeah, some um, interesting developments yesterday um, that caused quite a few ripples. Um, I think it's important to note that, um, obviously, the uh, re- easing of restrictions for those that are fully vaccinated is not just for local churches. Um, or places of worship, but it's for um, a range of venues. So um, it's going to affect a lot of people. Um, yes, uh, um, I was in a, um, uh, in a Zoom meeting with the New South Wales Minister for Multiculturalism uh, yesterday afternoon, and a number of questions were raised on those issues. Um, she made it very clear that um, the, uh, the roadmap out is very much dictated um, by the, the Department of Health or the Public Health, um, uh, uh, the, um, uh, the the Health Department of, of New South Wales. So they're looking at all options. How can they unlock some of these restrictions safely for as many people as possible? That seems to be the overarching um, guide um, or, or, or principle that they're following. Obviously, you know, we see in the news, um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of people in hospital very, uh, very sick. There's people in intensive care. There's people on ventilators. There are people who are dying. So we're dealing with something that's very serious here. So the government is, is wanting to protect the health of people. So that's, that's probably one thing to think about um, or, or take into consideration. The other one is that, yes, um, you know, it was um, an announcement that... Um, not necessarily hit us by surprise, but certainly something that we need to take on board and see where do we go from here and what steps can we put in place. Have we got all of the answers at the moment? No. Uh, there is some, um, uh, there's a chain of events that have been put in place. Uh, there's some further discussion with other church administrators, both at conference level and also um, across Australia. Um, it not only impacts, um, you know, the Adventist church, but other other uh, denominations as well, other religious organisations. So there will be a, a, a series of conversations over the coming days to think about um, how can we navigate through this space um, thoughtfully, uh, carefully and prayerfully. Um, so, um, yeah, we're, it, it, it's very much being worked on at the moment. What we do want to try to avoid, avoid is, is any kind of further division um, or, you know, um, a polarization or anything like that. I think that would be very unwise and very unhealthy for any any organization, um, Christian or non-Christian. Mm. And so, um, yeah, we've we want to um, yeah just work through the the implications and see um, what steps will be put in place. We'll be we'll be sharing some information um, across the Adventist network, and I'm sure other other Christian organizations, other religious groups will be sharing, um, information through their networks as well. Mm. 
We, um, as a church, we very strongly support vaccinations, but we also equally strongly support uh, freedom of conscience on this issue. Um, are Christians within our church who choose for conscientious reasons not to be vaccinated, are they going to be sidelined by our church because of that in, you know, given that at the moment they can't, they're not allowed to go to church. Yes. And, um, and I guess as a follow-up to that, before we answer that, you know, we've got a lot of people who are really hurting this morning, a lot yes. of people who are losing their jobs and now losing their church as well. Are we looking at ways to be able to minister to those people or, you know, do they kind of just get left by the wayside? Yeah, no, um, good point, Lyle. And, and definitely, no, that's not our intention at all. Um, you know, the... Um, the gospel is available for everybody, um, and um, yeah, there, there there may be opportunity to continue the dialogue with government about addressing some of those issues. Um, you know, a a possible option could be that uh, within the Adventist organisation that uh, that we recommend to local pastors that they don't open churches until it is of, uh, until it's possible for. You know, those who are fully vaccinated, those who are not vaccinated, to be able to come together, to worship together. You know, um, so there's, there's some of the practical implications we need to look at, but certainly no. Um, and we've been encouraging in our organisation, our pastors, you know, to, to uh, continue contact with all of their members, um, all of the people that they're engaged with, um, you know, whatever view they have may have on vaccination, um, to, to, to call them up, ring them up, see how they're going, visit where it's possible, visit where people are comfortable because pastors can still do that um, even with, the, uh, with churches not being able to meet. So we want to make sure that the church is a place for all people. Um, you know, that, that's a biblical mandate, Isaiah 58. You know, um, God God's, uh, opens his arm for all people and we need to reflect that in the practicalities of doing church in these weird and wonderful times in which we live but also being mindful that we do need to um, protect and provide a safe place for everybody to come and worship, um, both for pastors and for members. And that's also a principle that will be guiding the discussion, um, a safe place for everybody to come and worship together. You mentioned that there's going to be further discussions, um, you know, both with churches and with government and so forth. Will you be meeting with other church leaders, uh, both within and without our denomination? Will you be continuing to try and work with government to bring about some changes to the current regulations? Absolutely, yes. Um, our, the representatives of our church for Australia, um, in particular, um, we've got a department, uh, Public Affairs and Religious Liberty, they're, they're part of um, a loose organisation of about 40 denominational leaders um, across the country, and they're in regular dialogue. Um, we are uh, um, in touch with uh, a Christian um, uh, uh, lawyers, um, professors of, of, uh, at universities who have a, a strong Christian foundation, um, who lecture in the legal space, so there are lots of resources out there, and yes, there is ongoing dialogue um, with um, people such as that and also leaders of other religious organisations, Christian and non-Christian. There's, there's a number of non-Christian religious organisations out there that obviously are facing the same issues. Mm. And it's encouraging to me, Adrian, uh, to hear this coming from you as somebody who is pro-vax, that you are here actively working uh, for those you know within our within our denomination and within other denominations, because if we solve it for ours, we solve it for all. Yep. Um, 
actively working to provide spiritual support for everybody, regardless of their, you know, personal convictions one way or the other on yes. this subject, and not trying to discriminate against one group or the other. Absolutely, um, absolutely. And yet, you know, um, when you mention that the church strongly supports vaccination, the official stance or the wording is that the Adventist Church worldwide supports the responsible use of vaccination yes. while respecting the personal choice um, and decisions of individuals um, who choose not to be vaccinated. Um, it's, it's certainly not in the Adventist uh, a tradition. It's not a, um, uh, a statement of faith, um, but our world church has put out some guidelines um, along that, yes, with that, with that particular wording. And I think that the wording of that is good when it says responsible vaccinations. You know, we've had, you know, experimental medical procedures in the past that have been absolutely disastrous and we do want to be responsible about what we support and what we don't support. And, you know, at the same time recognise that everybody is responsible before God for what they do with their body and how they treat their body and that, you know, that's a... You know, a very personal issue yes. um, that we deal with. Uh, Pastor Adrian Rathel, thank you so much for joining us here and giving us um, some encouragement this morning. We do appreciate all the work that you're doing at this time to work towards uh, benefiting our members. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. That was Pastor Adrian Rayfield this morning, uh, leader of the church of the Adventist Church in the North New South Wales region. And as you heard here, he is coordinating with uh, people of other Christian faiths and of <laughs> other religious faiths who are all looking at this situation. And you know, we're all in the same crisis together. Mm. And so there's going to be continued work. It's it's just very encouraging to hear that, uh, regardless of whether you are vaxxed or unvaxxed. Uh, the that that religious people and religious organisations are here for you to give you as much support as we can in these very difficult situations. I mean, there are some things you can do and some things that you can't do, mm. and uh, we we do what we can. Yeah, that's right. But uh, just know that regardless of whatever side of this fence you find yourselves on, we are here to give you as much uh, spiritual support as we can. Uh, as well as physical support at mm. this time. We have a whole... Ooh, we have so many text messages right here. <laughs> and I wanted to take that extra time this morning um, to have Pastor Adrian Rathiel come on the show uh, just so that he could share some perspectives um, on where we are at uh, with you know the, the, the whole roadmap in New South Wales mm. uh, out of, out of uh, you know, the whole vaccination situation and so we've I'm, I'm going to skip over some of our text messages this morning and move on into our bible study and maybe if we get far enough through in our bible study we can come back and have a look at some of those text messages i know that a lot of you are sending my phone is just buzzing away here busily buzzing away by itself um we've got some other special things that we'd like to get to air if we possibly can so please bear with us this morning um I'll, yeah let's 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 head to our bible study it's at times like this we could spend the whole show talking about covid yeah roadmap out mm-hmm. of covid we need to focus on jesus that's right we need to get into scripture we need to spend some time looking into the word of god we need to be understanding you know, what is the Bible message that it has for us today? And we're going to go to Galatians chapter 3 and verse 26 to 29. We would be remiss if we took our Bible study time and did not study the Bible. 
Yeah, that's so right. So please forgive us if we don't get to uh, text messages this morning. We do appreciate everything that's been sent through, and we may even save some of the uh, really good ones for tomorrow. Galatians chapter 3, amazing passage here. Uh, we're going to start in verse 26. Uh, Lawson, take it away. Galatians chapter 3 and verse, starting in verse 26, the Bible says, For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Ah, your dodgy translation again. Left half of the verse out. What's wrong with Let that? Let me read it from my translation. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. There is neither vaxxed nor unvaxxed, for you are all one in Jesus Christ. Stop. That's what my Bible says. You are a heretic, Lyle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, the Bible says there is. we are all one in Jesus Christ. Right. Okay, I, I am a heretic. I did that. that <laughs> you did. You know what the Bible says about people who change the words of the Bible? Yeah. <laughs> I've already confessed. <laughs> that's right. I was quick to confess. At least you can repent, yeah. <laughs> that's right. Okay, so we need to look at these encouraging passages of Scripture. Mm. In fact, I'm going to back up by one verse as we mm. go down through this because the verse before this is just the best, and that's verse 25 uh, where it says, no, no, verse uh, 24 where it says, Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. Mm. Absolutely love this passage right here. You know, talking about the law of God because we have been talking about the law of God and mm. a lot of people have questions about the law of God. And when, you know, we come along and we say, well, you know, you should keep the law of God. And people say, oh, that, that means you're saying that we can be saved by keeping the law of God. No, you can't be saved by keeping yeah. the law of God. You're saved by grace. Mm. But when you are saved by grace... The response to that salvation is to keep the law of God. Mm. And what is the purpose of the law in relationship to salvation? Well, the Bible simply says us here that the, that the law is like a schoolmaster. It's like a school teacher. That's right. So if the, if, if the law is a school teacher, then the law is going to tell us something. Now, it goes on and says it is the schoolmaster, the school teacher, that's going to teach us something to bring us to Christ. So the law is going to teach us how to come to Christ. So how does the law teach you how to come to Christ? Well, I think it's like if you uphold God's ideals in your life, at least morally, how much more of a step is it to accept God? Okay, yeah, that's a that's a really good point right there. The other thing that I see coming out of uh, out of this whole passage is is that if there was no law, mm. would there be sin? No, no. Ah, oh, yeah. So if there was no, and, and let's say that let's say that you know. Let's say that there was there was a law, mm. and God never gave it to us. So the sin does does exist, but He never told us what sin yeah, was. Yeah, that's right. Then and then He says, "Well, you need to come to Me to get rid of your sins." And we'd be like, "Why would we need to come to you get to get rid of our sins? What sin? What is sin? Mm. There's no such thing as sin. Why why would we need to come to you?" Mm. And so what God does, he says, okay, this is what sin is. Mm. He gives us a definition of sin. And the Lord defines sin for us so that we can come to Jesus Christ. That's what you find if you go to uh, Romans chapter 7 and verse 7. Uh, let's flick over there real quick, Romans 7 and verse 7. Uh, read it for us in your translation. It there, says, Lawson. well then, am I suggesting that the law of God is sinful 
Of course not. In fact, it was the law that showed me my sin. I would have never known that coveting is wrong if the law had not said, you must not covet. Simple as that right there. Mm. Can you can you write it down even more simply than that? The purpose of the law is to reveal what sin is. Yes. And when the law reveals what sin is, it reveals our need of a saviour. And when right. we recognise mm. we have a need of a saviour, it directs us to Jesus Christ. Mm. This is a fantastic thing about the law of God. People get really bent out of shape over the law of God and try and get it done away with and try and get it nailed to the cross. All kinds of weird and wacky ideas. Mm. Paul doesn't do that. What does Paul say in verse 12, Romans 7 verse 12? He says in verse 12, but still the law itself is holy and its commands are holy and right and good. Holy, just and good. That's what it says in my translation right there. Holy, right and good. Holy, just and good. Mm. You know, you can't get anything more uh, clear than that particular passage in relationship Mm. to the law of God. And it being a school teacher to teach us what sin is, so that we come to Christ. Mm. Okay. Once you have graduated, once you've gone to school and you've learned the stuff that you need to learn, do you stay at school your entire life? No. No. Why? Because you now know what that course mm. was there to teach you. Mm. So you go and do a course. It's going to teach you certain information. Once you have learnt that information, do you still need to be there? No. No. So notice what the next verse says in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 25. In Galatians 3 and verse 25, it continues on and says, and now, the, uh, and now that the way of faith has come, we no longer need the law as our guardian. Okay, so here's it very simple. In, in my translation, it says, uh, but after faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. Mm. So we're no longer under a, a school teacher. So the law is our school teacher. It teaches us what is wrong. Once mm. you know what is wrong, you don't stay at school. Mm. You go out and you live your life. Yeah. Because you have now learnt the information that you need. The school teacher has shown you what sin is. Mm. So now go and live your life in Jesus Christ by faith in him through the power of his grace. Yeah. It's really that simple. But then there's like that really epic question that goes along with this whole passage. It's like, say, you know, you go and get your degree. You become an engineer. Yes. You you do your four years. Yes. Come out the other side. You've got, you know, your bachelor in hand. Yep. You've been picked up by a company. You've you've been employed. At that point, do you go, well, you know what? Everything I learned from university, I'm just going to not do. It's kind of weird, isn't it? It's a good point, though, like in, in relationship to this. But in, in relationship to this, I find so many Christians that do this. They recognize that they are a sinner. They recognize that they are uh, condemned to death. So they come to Jesus Christ. They surrender their life to Jesus Christ. They accept him into their life. Mm. He comes into their life. He fills them with their Holy Spirit. They now go, now go out to live their Christian life and do away with everything that they ever learned and say everything that the school teacher taught me, I am now nailing to the cross and getting rid of. Mm. It's a really good illustration, Lawson. It's, I love that illustration. It's almost like, because we see this a lot, and it's almost like becoming like post-sin Christian world. And then, Oh, man, there's lots to unpack in that. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Okay, so I was unsure whether we would be able to do this this morning, uh, but during the song we were able to get through to Pastor Terry Johnson. Pastor Terry Johnson is 
the leader for the uh, Adventist Church, which is the church that sponsors this station uh, here in Australia. And I just wanted to get uh, some reaction from Pastor Terry Johnson about the New South Wales roadmap out of the uh, COVID crisis. Pastor Terry Johnson, welcome to the show. Good morning, Niall, and good morning, uh, listeners. Now, Terry, I'm just wondering... What can we say? We've got a lot of people today that are really in pain and a lot of people that are really hurting because they've been told that they can't go back to church. What can we say to people that are really struggling today and, you know, really hurting at a time like this? How can we give some – what encouragement can we can we share with people today? Yeah, thank you, and thank you for a good question. I think that when we're looking at Scripture and the length of time that God actually takes in answering questions, the first principle that we can put into practice is to recognize that we just need to be a little bit patient and a little bit calm and to see how the Lord is actually going to work miracles on our behalf. Clearly, as a church, we uh, we believe that uh, churches uh, should be open to all people, that uh, we actually do take care of the afflicted many times better than the government, and that um, it's a place where the neglected are welcome to come and to be loved, and we are inclusive in the way that we engage with um, with all people. So what was shared yesterday is definitely of concern, but um, the point is to take the time to work through the processes that are allowed to us, to work with government, and we're going to be spending time next week talking with a number of different faith groups uh, because quite a number of different faiths are affected by these and have the same kind of concerns that we would have. Okay, so this is not something where, as a church, we're just sort of going to uh, roll over, do nothing, sorry, you're not vaxxed, you can't come to church, you're going to have to stay on Zoom, uh, whatever it might be, you've become a second-class citizen. But we are actually going to engage with the government, um, regardless of whether we can accomplish something or not, but we are actually going to do what we can in this space. Is that the the message that you are uh, giving this morning? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've been given an opportunity by Dr. Chant and Minister Hazard to actually put together a roadmap for churches to come out of uh, the isolations that we currently have in place, the restrictions. And the wonderful thing is that they're willing to listen to us. Now, we've already put in some submissions last week. They didn't listen to all of what we had to say. They have given us quite a lot of leeway because at one point we thought that the churches were not going to be given an opportunity to actually come back together until much later down the road. So there are some good things that we need to commend the government for, but uh, what we're trying to share with them is that we should be open to all. We should be treated like a Coles and a Woolies in that sense. A Coles and a Woolies is not going to actually have a, a person at the door demanding to see whether an individual is vaccinated or unvaccinated. And we need to have the same kind of consideration given to us as, as Christians, as people of faith, in recognizing that our places of worship are meant to be places of inclusion. I, I look at Romans chapter 13, you know, and, and I remember that one of the things that we have to be aware of, particularly as we're thinking of the last days of Earth's history, is that God calls us to actually uh, obey the commandments and that they're summed up in the understanding of loving your neighbor as yourself. And so this, this understanding that we have is that when people come to church, there's opportunities for us to share love. And if we end up with a two-tiered uh, environment that makes it very difficult for us as churches to provide the comfort, to provide uh, needs for people who are afflicted because they will not be able to actually come into our doors. And, and this is greatly concerning for us. Ellen White in her book, uh, Education, at page 154, actually has this fabulous quote that I think is important for us as Christians 
unselfishness is the principle of God's kingdom. Uh, the principle that Satan hates the most, and to disprove Satan's claim, is the work of Christ and of all who bear his name. And so, from a Christian point of view, we're looking at this and saying, what can we do to ensure that we're not selfish in any way, that we're selfless in everything that we do? And in accordance with Romans chapter 13 and verse 8, love does no harm to its neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. How do we actually engage with government when they've put out a public health order that potentially could cause a significant amount of um, disunity? Mm. I think that's and this is it's very encouraging I think to all of us and to our listeners to know that you know because we don't get to see what you do this is part of the challenge that we have you guys are busy and and working away behind the scenes but we don't get to see it and it kind of feels like you know to the average person who is sitting out there in Zoom land on a Saturday morning or you know on a Sunday morning whatever it might be uh, whatever a person's faith is they don't actually get to see what is happening at the leadership level and they're like well is anything taking place is anybody saying anything so it's very encouraging to know that you are in, we are engaged with the government and, and looking at what we can do to uh, provide for the spiritual needs of our community. Now, yeah, and Lyle, the good thing is, and sorry for interrupting yeah, you, right. is that um, when we meet on Monday, uh, <clears throat> we have several leaders who are responsible for religious liberty and public affairs who are going to be coming together at 9 o'clock on Monday morning, so keep us in prayer for that. We will actually be putting together some thoughts that we want to share with the other faith groups that represent quite a number of different um, uh, multicultural faiths from around the world who are all in this together and who are actually sharing with government the concerns that they have about what this means for places of worship, not just Christian places of worship. And while, again, we are happy with what the government has done in terms of treating us with parity with business, we're trying to let them know that we're not a business. Uh, this is something far greater than business. This is something dealing with uh, eternity. And we need to be seen, again, like a Coles and a Woolies uh, to ensure that we have opportunities for all to come and, and worship with us. And I think, there's, I think there's also a danger here that they misunderstand just how deep feelings of faith go. You know, people will go without their sport. They'll go without, you know, going out to eat for a meal. But when it comes to people of, of faith, you close them down like this. The danger is, you know, driving worship services underground. We see that in many parts of the world where faith is restricted. And the moment that that happens, then, of course, you've got a completely unregulated, untraceable uh, opportunities that could make the virus actually worse and you know we don't nobody wants to see that happen nobody wants to see a a worse health crisis than what we have um just a uh um a, a, a quick question of course you know we've got the the news coming out of new south wales across australia of course you're in charge of the church across australia and and you know by the way congratulations this is a new job what a, what a time to be starting a new job but across <laughs> australia what are we looking at with the other states are the other states likely to follow suit with new south wales as far as uh, how they deal with places of worship yeah i think that new south wales has uh, a lot of impact on the other states around australia we represent eight and a, eight and a quarter million people out of the 25 million people in australia uh, clearly, the other states have uh, different leadership and different parties that are in charge of those leaderships. But there is pressure about opening up, and that will put pressure on the states, particularly with media uh, questioning the processes that uh, have been put in place, wanting to open up like it has been opened in the UK and in North America. So I think that we are going to have some challenges across the country. But, Maya, when I when I look at these things, 
um, I just keep remembering Esther, you know, for such a time as this, we are here. And in my opinion, we go to the book of Colossians, chapter 4, and verse 2, and what Paul says to the Colossians, to the, uh, the church in Colossae, is that devote yourself to prayer, being watchful and thankful. I think that's, that's really a very big key. Yes, we have to be watchful, we have to be aware of what's going on around us in the political realm, in the societal realm, but we have to also be thankful. We have to be thankful for where we're at. And I reflect on what's going on in Afghanistan, and I read a, a terrible article last week of a phone conversation between uh, Christian supporters in North America, in the United States, who were contacting the underground church in Afghanistan. And while they were on the phone with members of that underground church, there were individuals that actually came into the home. They were going door to door looking for Christians. And they took these Christians while they were on the phone and executed them. And I come back to where we are here in Australia, and I think of the religious liberty that we do have, which we must be very thankful for, but we also must recognize that it's a huge opportunity, because the rest of the passage actually says this, and pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am here in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. So not only are we to pray for opportunities that doors may be opened so that our message of, of uh, Revelation 14 is shared everywhere, but that we can proclaim it as clearly as we should. And he goes on to say to be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. And so here we are in a national conversation about rights, about places of worship, and I think that um, when we take the time to slow down, to be calm, to be patient, because we've got six weeks until this actually comes into play, there's time for us to have conversations with government, to devote ourselves to prayer, and to be thankful for the way that God is actually opening doors for us to be able to proclaim our message, our, our message that, in my opinion, is not only life-changing, but preparing us for a greater event. Uh, then that's when Paul actually says, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. And I, I think that when we panic and we get really concerned uh, because of a statement that is being made by a government official, we actually bring God's name into disrepute. He wants us to be at peace and calm. And the other thing to remember is that the government over the next six weeks is probably going to change a significant amount of the conversation that they had yesterday because as the vaccination goes up, as uh, individuals with, uh, with the illness goes down, there could be changes that make this a, um, a non-concerning environment, if you know what I mean. And with the chat that we're going to have with Dr. Chant and uh, Minister Hazard next week, I think that we'll be able to share with them clearly that a significant percentage of the population in New South Wales, well and truly over 40% compared to the rest of the country, where only 10 to 15% claim any kind of faith, that that group of people is wanting to actually be supportive of the government, but also making sure that the government recognizes that places of worship provide comfort to all the afflicted and they should be open for all. We don't want to have uh, individuals who are second-class citizens. Pastor Jerry Johnson, thank you so much for joining us here on Faith FM this morning to give a perspective, an Australia-wide perspective uh, on this important issue. Uh, wise words indeed. Let's not be panicking. Let's take this to God in prayer. And uh, 
really appreciate you taking the time to join us here on Faith FM. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lyle, and thank you, listeners. We pray that you will be devoting yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful as well. That was Pastor Terry Johnson, who is uh, just commenting on the work that he is doing to make sure that worship is available. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. On this important issue. And, uh, however, it has now come time for... Question of the day. All right, Lyle, our question of the day has to do with the Bible study we did this morning. Yes. Um, we read this passage where it kind of closes off by saying, and now that you belong to Christ, um, you are the ch- true children of Abraham, and you are heirs to God, uh, God's promises um, that belong to Abraham. The question that's come through is, well, why did we become the Christian church? Shouldn't have we all become Jewish if we're now children of Abraham? Yeah, it's a really good question you've got right here. Um, you know, in, in in my translation, it says, uh, "If you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and mm. heirs according to the promise." In other words, you are Abraham's descendants. And so, somebody wants to know, you know, do we? Does that mean that we should become Jewish people? Um, because you know, the interesting thing with Judaism is that it's both a race and a religion. It's one of those few ones that uh, is both a race and a religion. And you can join the Jewish religion. You can join the Jewish race. Uh, through you know circumcision for a man, you know that's you can actually become a Jewish person and join the Jewish religion, and so you know do we become a Jew so that we can become a follower of Christ? No, it's not what the Bible is saying. The Bible is saying this: there were certain promises that were given to Abraham. The everlasting covenant was given to Abraham. Uh, the promise that he would be a a the father of a great nation. These were promises that were given to Abraham and that this would be this nation would be a nation that were the people of God. And what Paul is saying is this, if you have given your life to Jesus Christ, you have become a part of that nation that is the people of God. Mm. That the promise that was given to Abraham of the everlasting covenant of being the father of a nation and of that nation being God's people, then that promise belongs now to you as a Christian. In other words, the Christian church is now the nation of God. And Peter addresses this. Let me just flick over to Peter real quick. Um, and I think I'm going to first Peter. But my Bible is falling apart more and more every day. And so it's making it hard to find things. <laughs> All right. Where is the right page for this? Here we go, here we go. First Peter chapter 2, the Bible says in verse 9, and by the way, the Bible is quoting from the covenant right here. Mm. And it says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. This is quoting from Exodus chapter 19. This is quoting from the covenant in Exodus chapter 19. And so Peter is quoting this, and he is not speaking to Jewish people. He is speaking to Gentile people when he quotes this passage right here. And it becomes very clear as you continue reading. He says, You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, or a special people. My own precious possession is uh, what this passage is saying. Uh, That you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in times past were not a people, were not a nation, were not a race. You didn't used to be so. Uh, But they are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. And so 
when I look at this particular passage right here, you find the promises that were given to Abraham have now been transferred across and been applied to the Christian church. Mm. And this is exactly what Jesus said. Jesus prophesied that this would happen. Uh, Jesus, uh, in, in, in the book of Matthew, when Jesus gave the parable of the vineyard, Jesus talks about you know how that... Uh, there was a vineyard that was planted and the owner of the vineyard put it in a nice place and put a fence around it and so forth and sent his servants to get the fruit of it. But then what happened was that the uh, the servants, you know, they're like, oh, no, we want this for ourselves. And so they, they, uh, they took the servants and they beat them up and they treated them poorly and so he sent his son and so they killed his son because they wanted the vineyard for themselves. And he asked them, you know, what will the owner of the vineyard do, which of course is a symbol of God and the vineyard being a symbol of the Jewish people. And the Bible says in verse 43, Therefore I say unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation, bringing forth the fruit thereof. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.